Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick. What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Triple S Podcast. Back again for yet another episode. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit shorter once again. Uh, not too, too much to talk about. We're going to touch on the NFL and a little bit of news that we have from the NFL. I'll give you my take on the Super Bowl, which was kind of as I expected, and we'll get into that. Uh, we're going to touch a little bit on the UFC card that is going down tonight, the pay-per-view UFC 258, uh, which is headlined by Kamaru Usman and his former teammate Gilbert Burns fighting for the welterweight strap. That is going to be super exciting. And uh, yeah, let's get right into it. All right, so as we usually do, we're going to kick things off in the NFL, no pun intended, and we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. So the final score of the Super Bowl was 31-9 to for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the wildcard Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the number one ranked in the AFC Kansas City Chiefs. And for those of you who watched my, my last week's episode before the Super Bowl, you guys would know that... This was kind of how I expected this game to go, minus Kansas City not having any type of offense. So I actually got the score half right. My prediction for the score was 31-26 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And like I said, you know, the score ended up being 31-9, so half right. Uh, To me, what was very surprising was I knew the Tampa Bay defense and definitely that front seven was going to make an impact, especially given the fact that Kansas City had two of their tackles not playing in that game. Their whole offensive line was shuffled around. I knew that the Tampa Bay front seven, you know, Levante David, uh, Devin White, who I predicted would be the Super Bowl MVP, and I'll get to him a little bit more in a second, uh, they balled out like I thought they would. But you never expect a Kansas City offense led by, you know, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Eric Bieniemy, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, all those guys to not even put up a single touchdown, to be held to nine points, three field goals. That, to me, was very shocking. Um, Where I was somewhat right, again, I predicted the Super Bowl MVP would be Devin White. I thought he would have an interception, which he did have, quite a few tackles, which he did have. Uh, Where I was wrong, I said I thought he would have, you know, a fumble recovery and maybe a couple other big plays, and then Brady wouldn't have a stellar performance enough to merit MVP over Devin White Uh, but I was wrong you know Tom Brady had three touchdowns two to Rob Gronkowski one to Antonio Brown and uh, he was rightfully so the Super Bowl MVP for his seventh ring Tom Brady now has more NFL championships he has seven uh, than every single franchise in the NFL The the teams that have the most are the Patriots with six and the Pittsburgh Steelers with six And Tom Brady now has more than anyone. He has seven, which is absolutely absurd. Uh, So I think that ends any and all greatest of all time quarterback, greatest of all time player. Tom Brady just, he's checked all the boxes. And um, one thing I do want to say is I predicted before the game, if you guys remember, that if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were to win and Brady was the Super Bowl MVP, he he had a good game that maybe he would ride off into the sunset. Uh, It doesn't appear that that is the case. He just seems to be having too much fun, as you guys can see by the way that he looked at the uh, parade that they had in Tampa Bay on the water. He's throwing the Super Bowl from boat to boat, uh, the trophy there from boat to boat. He's drunk and stumbling off of the pier and stuff like that. So 
I have a feeling he may be back, especially considering he's under contract for another year. And uh, I think they'll try and run it back next year for sure. And if they don't win next year, because it is hard to repeat, he may even be back for two more years. So I think he's either going to retire now or probably play another one, maybe not win, and then come back for a third year. So, you know, like I said, the Tampa Bay front seven was definitely one of the stars of the game. Also want to give a shout out to Todd Bowles, their defensive coordinator, because he, if you look back at when they played in the regular season, Tyreek Hill had 200 yards in the first half. And then if you fast forward to the Super Bowl, Tyreek Hill had seven catches for 73 yards, no touchdowns. And that may look decent, but when you compare it to, I believe he had like nine catches for 240-something yards and three touchdowns in the regular season, that is a significant and substantive decrease, and it definitely played a part in the way that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to play defense and win the game. What they basically did was they played high safeties on almost every play and said, you know what, if you're going to beat us and if you want to throw deep, uh, A, you got to have the time, which you're not having because your tackles are out and our front seven is amazing. But even if you do have that time, we're going to have guys back. So you got to beat us underneath. you got to dink and dunk. And as we all know, Kansas City is built on the big play. And when you take that away from them, you know, we saw the result uh, last Sunday in the Super Bowl. Only nine points and no touchdowns. So shout out to Todd Bowles. Shout out to Indomitian Sue, who was a game wrecker up front. Shaquille Barrett. Uh, their entire defense had a very good game. And then on the offensive side, I want to give a little shout out to Leonard Fournette, who had a really good game as well. Uh, had 89 yards rushing, had some yards in the air as well, and scored a touchdown. So, I mean, that's always huge when you could score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Now, I think if there is a moral to the story here of this Super Bowl, you know, 2021 Super Bowl, it's that whenever you doubt Tom Brady, whenever Tom Brady is an underdog, because the Chiefs were three-point favorites, you know, everyone kind of thought, oh, this is the Chiefs, they're going to repeat. This is the the end of, you know, that Tom Brady era where he was always winning Super Bowls. This is going to be the start of the Mahomes era. Most people that I talked to thought that the Chiefs were the favorites to win this game and that they would win this game. But what I've learned and what I think everyone should learn by now is that whenever Tom Brady is doubted, that's when he performs the best. Whenever he he seems to be counted out, you know, this entire playoff run, other than the first game against the Chicago Bears, you know, against New Orleans, I think most people probably had New Orleans. They beat them twice in the regular season, and they beat them handedly. But, you know, people doubted Brady in that game. He came out, he showed out, they won. Against the Packers, I think a lot of people definitely counted them out again in that game. Even though they beat the Packers in the regular season, uh, Green Bay was super hot at the end of the year. And what did they do? They went into Green Bay and they beat them. Same thing in the Super Bowl. So moral of the story, do not doubt Tom Brady. And then flipping it over to the Chiefs side, uh, here's what I want to say. And I, I can't remember if I've said it on the podcast before. I apologize if I have. But the thing is, it's only going to get harder to win Super Bowls from here on out. And it's not because of... There's a few reasons, but the, th- the main reason for me is that half a billion dollar contract that was given to Patrick Mahomes. So what a lot of people don't realize is if you don't really look at contracts, you may not know this, but they don't usually kick in the year that they're signed. So Patrick Mahomes signed his deal this offseason for half a billion dollars, and everyone thought, oh, you know what, that's that's crazy. He's going to get paid right away. 
And in a way, that is true. He did receive a signing bonus uh, when he signed his contract, and it was a pretty huge signing bonus. I believe it was around $10 million or something like that, so that's a huge signing bonus. But I'm here on SportTrack.com, and if you look at his cap hits, so this past year, 2020, uh, his base salary was under a million dollars, $825,000. He had a signing bonus. His cap hit in total was $5 million. So, 2020, $5 million against the cap. So every team has a certain amount of cap space, and usually a quarterback counts for a lot more than that, and you'll get, you'll see in a second. So this year, 2020, out of the whole Chiefs cap, he counted for $5.34 million. Next year, 2021, he counts for $24.8 million. So what that basically means is that on the Chiefs roster, they are going to have to look at the roster and say, where can we cut 21, or sorry, my math is off, $19 million worth of talent? You can't bring back everyone. You'll be over the cap because Patrick Mahomes is going to be making 20, uh, sorry, 19 more million on the cap. So you have to look at your roster and say, where can we cut $19 million? 2022, the year after, he was worth $31.45 million on the cap. The year after, 2023, $42.45 million. So the numbers just go up. And every time his cap hit goes up, that's that amount is what you have to cut off of your salary. Or I guess you can technically be over or, I guess, under the cap. Uh, teams like the Saints, who are definitely in cap trouble... But you don't want to be in that situation. It makes for very messy uh, salary situations. So just want to point that out. Uh, This was the last year, technically, where they're paying Patrick Mahomes not big-time money. Like $5 million versus $24 million next year, that's a big jump. All right, in other NFL news, uh, Trevor Lawrence had his pro day today at Clemson. And uh, I watched a couple clips of that. He looked very good throwing the ball. His deep ball was looking very, very sharp on point. Uh, he was hitting guys in stride. A couple throws I saw where the receiver had to either slow down or lay out and dive. But, I mean, overall, it was it was impressive. And when you think of Trevor Lawrence and when you watch him, you don't expect anything less. He is a blue-chip prospect and very excited to see how he does most, I mean, more than likely... with the Jags, but I'm excited to see how that pans out with Urban Meyer. And the last little bit of NFL news, J.J. Watt was released today, uh, or yesterday I believe, because you guys are getting this on Saturday, so on Friday, J.J. Watt was released by the Texans, um, and a lot of people that I've talked to and that I've seen commenting about it are very confused. Why is a player as good as uh, J.J. Watt not being traded, or why would they just release him and get nothing back? And what I think, this is not what I know, this is just what I think, I would assume, you know, I don't I don't know how well the Texans are being run. I know they weren't being well run under Bill O'Brien, but if this new GM has half a brain, what they probably tried to do was shop J.J. Watt around. Hey, do you guys want J.J. Watt? Uh, give us anything. Give us a, you know, a fourth rounder, a fifth rounder, a sixth rounder, anything. Give us something for J.J. Watt. Uh, and we'll give him back to you, and we'll give him to you. Give us a player. Give us something for J.J. Watt, so we don't have to release him. Uh, because the thing is, I think the reason that didn't happen, and the reasons teams didn't 
even send a seventh rounder or a sixth rounder is because of J.J. Watt's contract. So what'll happen is, you know, now that he's released, if a new team wants him, they can sign him and send him a brand new contract that isn't inflated. Uh, he would have been making $17.5 million in 2021. And not a lot of teams are going to want to, well, actually zero teams wanted to pay that for J.J. Watt, considering he didn't get traded for. So they thought, you know, we're all going to just take our chances that no one else sends compensation for him and pays him that 17.5. We'll wait till he hits uh, free agency if he gets released and hits waivers. And at that point, if any teams are interested, and apparently I think it's 12 or more teams are interested in him, uh, they can send him a new contract at a reduced rate. It'll probably be, I would say, around $10 million, if I had to guess, per year, plus or minus a little bit. But um, So that's that's the J.J. Watt news. All right, so we got the NFL out of the way. We talked about the Super Bowl, J.J. Watt, and Trevor Lawrence's Pro Day. Now we're going to switch gears and talk about tonight's UFC card, UFC 258, which is being headlined by Gilbert Burns and Kamaro Usman for the welterweight title and this one is super super exciting for me these guys were supposed to fight uh, I can't remember what number card it was but it was a UFC uh, pay-per-view event and what ended up happening was Gilbert Burns contracted COVID-19 so he was unable to fight uh, this was when Kamaro Usman fought uh, Jorge Masvidal instead Jorge Masvidal stepped in on less than a week's notice and fought Kamaru Usman for the welterweight title, uh, and he lost. Kamaru Usman was able to get the win in that fight, and that was actually supposed to be Gilbert Burns. So now, you know, Gilbert Burns, clean bill of health, doesn't have COVID. They've weighed in. Everything is official and ready to go to today, tonight, and this one is super, super exciting. It has that anticipation factor because... It was scheduled once, canceled, kind of something like a Tony Ferguson and Khabib, not, definitely not to that level because that one was canceled, you know, four or five times, but it does add that little bit of flair. And the other reason that this is an exciting fight is because these guys are former teammates. So I read online that they were actually team, because when I heard that they were teammates, I thought, oh, maybe they were teammates for, you know, a couple months or maybe even a couple of years. No, these guys were teammates for 10 plus years. So just think, if you are a high-level UFC fighter, you're probably training, if not on a daily basis, you know, at least, you know, five, six times a week. Some days you might be doing light stuff, but you're probably in that gym with your teammates at least five times a week, maybe four times on a slow week, but, you know, four, five, six times a week, you're with the same people, you're, you're doing moves with them, you're learning techniques with them, you can, you pretty much know a lot of stuff about these people and if you're training partners with someone for 10 years you got to know all of their ins and outs what they do what they like to do what they don't like done to them so it's going to be really exciting to see how two former teammates of 10 years battle it out uh, i don't think it gives any one guy a particular advantage but i think it makes the fight more exciting because gilbert burns is going to know what makes kamara Usman tick what he doesn't like to happen to him in the cage and vice versa so it's going to be really interesting to see uh i have a weird feeling that the belt is actually going to change hands i think that gilbert burns is going to get it done uh, i've watched a few of those free fights on youtube 
They have on YouTube his last fight, which was against, I believe it was Tyron Woodley. And then his fight that he had before that against Damian Maya. And when I watched those two fights, the fight against Tyron Woodley was just a straight domination. It was a five-round fight, a UFC main event. Uh, they were the headliner of that card. And it was just straight domination for five rounds. The scorecards were crazy. It was 50-45, to 45, which is... Uh, 5 to 0 in terms of rounds, 50 44 and 50 44, which means two judges gave Gilbert Burns a 10 8 round, and I believe that was probably in the second round where he just straight up dominated Tyron Woodley, who was a former champion. Like, it's not like Gilbert Burns just did this to like some scrub. But then again, you know, if you look at Tyron Woodley, he also got dominated by Kamaro Usman. So both of these guys have dominated the former champion. Uh, and then if you look at his fight before that, which is also on YouTube against Damian Maia. Damian Maia was, is also a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Gilbert Burns, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Damian Maia had Gilbert Burns' back. So it was cool to see there that Gilbert Burns has faced a little bit of adversity. He was in a tough spot. You know, Damian Maia, who is, like I said, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. When one of those guys has your back and they have hooks in, he had a couple hooks, and I think he had one of his legs in around Gilbert Burns' leg. It doesn't look good. You think that a guy like Damian Maia is going to be able to submit you when you're in that position. But Gilbert Burns found a way to scramble out, got the fight back to the feet, and then landed a clean counter shot and put Damian Maia to sleep. Uh, he didn't even, I don't even think he, he followed it up with maybe one shot, but he was already out after the one shot. Uh, Gilbert Burns was even standing over him thinking that he had won. Damian Maia was like in a daze and the referee didn't stop the fight. So Gilbert Burns said, okay, I guess I'll give him one more shot. Went down, smacked him up one more time, and then the referee stepped in and stopped the fight. So, as I said, I do have a weird feeling that this fight is going to lead to a changing of hands in terms of the title. I think that Gilbert Burns is going to get his hand raised. Uh, in terms of how I think that's going to happen... This fight is interesting to me because both guys are great grapplers. Uh, Kamaru Usman, who has shown in, in some fights, he didn't really do it in the, the Colby Covington fight. And I think that was because he kind of just hated Colby Covington and wanted to just keep punching him. But in past fights, especially against Jorge Masvidal, what we've seen from Kamaru Usman is if he gets a hold of you and he's pushing you against the fence... He's going to give you a bunch of shots to the ribs, a bunch of shots to the face. He's going to stomp on your feet. He's going to knee you. He is really good in the clinch against the fence. So if he gets you in that position, uh, it's really tough. When it comes to Gilbert Burns, he is also very good in the clinch as well. Uh, he throws good knees as well. And then if it goes to the ground, he, as I said before, is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. So both guys are skilled grapplers and wrestlers. Uh, I think that in terms of striking, it's it's tough to say. I think Gilbert Burns packs a little bit more of a punch. He's a little bit more powerful. But then again, Kamaru Usman does have a reach and height advantage. So it's, it's going to be very close. They know each other well. They are similar in styles in a way. And I can't wait to see it go down. I do love Kamaru Usman as a fighter. And... The thing is, I think even if he loses that fight, it's not the end of the world for him because as long as he doesn't get completely dominated, there's going to be a rematch. So I think that sets up really, really well. That would be marketed like crazy. Burns versus Usman 2. Usman coming back for his belt after his 
former teammates uh, strips it off of him. I think that makes for great pay-per-view. And uh, I think that's what's going to happen, and I can't wait to see it happen. So, you know, like I said, this is going to be a shorter episode today. I want to thank everyone for tuning into this episode. If you're on YouTube, like this video, comment down below what you think of this, what you thought of the Super Bowl, what you think is going to happen at UFC 258, uh, or any feedback that you may have. If you're on another platform or if you're on YouTube as well, make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a beat. And, you know, make sure you check us out on Instagram at the Triple S Podcast. We post updates there, and whenever there's ep- episodes posted, uh, we let you know on the Instagram page. So check us out there. Uh, but thank you again for rocking with me, you guys. Really appreciate it. And that'll do it for today's episode. So peace. Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick.